Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio 360. It's how we end the week mm-hmm. every week. We talk about things that are in the news and try to find where that might connect with things that are eternal. So mm-hmm. we know those things will always be no evergreen. No expiration date. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I love doing stories like this, especially the one that we're doing today, because it reminds me that God is at work everywhere. Yeah. And whether the people in the story actually acknowledge that God is at work, we believe that God is God of everything. Yeah that he's at work constantly. And then we see his hand in these beautiful stories. Beautiful story we have today has to do with two people who wouldn't have met except for extraordinary circumstances. What was this meeting all about? Well, the story takes place in Ontario, Canada. A decision that a woman made, she says, on a whim. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me, however, that this woman already has things bubbling in her heart, Mm -hmm. leaning toward kindness. And that's pretty much what the article is about. Compassion doesn't just happen spontaneously. Mm -hmm. It's a lifestyle. Right. The lady in question is a mother, a wife, and a full-time farmer. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, she was in town doing some errands, and she sees a gentleman sitting on a bench. He's reading a book, and he's collecting change from passersby. So she decides, hmm, I'm going to have a conversation with this man. So she strikes up a conversation with him, ends up talking about half an hour. And at the end of this conversation, she says on a whim, I asked him to come to work for me at my farm. So she goes back the next day and picks him up and takes him out to her farm where he does all kinds of work for her. He helps feed the animals. He helps clean up the barn. And she's working alongside with him. So it's not like she just sends him out to do this. She's in there with him. We don't hear a lot of details about what this conversation might Mm -hmm. have entailed. Why in the world would someone who doesn't know someone suddenly invite them to come out to her farm? My guess is, as the story kind of unfolds here like a flower, that there was something about his story that captivated her heart. Yeah. The gentleman's name is Brian Bannister, and he says of his own story that he's overcome addiction, he was abused growing up, and he's lost two wives, one to cancer and one to a tragic accident. So he's had a very difficult time in life, it sounds like. Important, too, to note here that as far as the author of this article is concerned, those facts check out. Right. And at this point in his life, he was experiencing homelessness. We don't know how long he had been on the street or what his story was that got him there necessarily. But in his own words, he says, I'd given up. Mm. I just didn't know what else to do. So Danielle McDuff makes a big decision just on a whim, she says. This is a big thing to do on a whim. So my guess is that Danielle may have a history of kindness, of compassion. (laughs) of even gratitude and paying it forward. So she said that when she met Brian, he was living in a shed, trying to find whatever things he could do to get food. She thought, you know, he's a very kind man. I was not at all afraid to invite him into our home. I would say you and I have both probably noticed as we traveled places like refugee camps that when you meet somebody, you have no clue what their story or background might be and being able to read the subtle cues about who's trustworthy, who is trying to make up a story and game you for something. Right. Or someone who's just flat out lying. 
We make an assumption when we run across somebody on the streets often that we have no clue what their life is like and we don't therefore have any reason to ask about it because we just assume it's going to be vastly different than our experience and they have different values than we do or they've done something or they must be on the streets because they're a criminal or they're mentally ill or something like that. And some people may have had bad experiences with people on the street and say, I'm never, ever again going to Mm -hmm. take a risk Mm -hmm. with trying to help somebody. This lady seemed to have a good eye. And I would say the eye that she has is something that comes from the spirit, not just from Mm -hmm. her own wits. It would seem to me that Danielle has that kind of eye, the kind of eye that sees a person before they see a circumstance. And I think that's an important point for me because oftentimes, like you said, we can be quick to judge a person's circumstance and therefore assign what we think their character will be like. Right. Which is, by definition, prejudicial. We're prejudiced against the person that we think will be like something. Right. And we're not willing to take a risk to find out. Another thing that comes to mind for me, honey, is that when Jesus interacted with people, every time he did a healing, every time he provided food for the crowds, I don't have any recollection of a event that Jesus participated in where his powers were manifest where there wasn't some conversation. Now, the only two that seemed to be close to that were the centurion and Jairus coming to Jesus to make a plea for somebody who's sick and dying. Mm -hmm. And on their behalf, Jesus speaks to them and gives them instructions about what to do. And as I think about it, the four people that lower the man down through the roof in front of Jesus in the middle of dinner, those are all action-oriented conversations where it starts with an action. Someone Mm -hmm. went on behalf. Now, there's one more that comes to mind, and that was the woman who reached out and grabbed the hem of the garment of Jesus and was Mm -hmm. healed before he even realized what had happened, Mm -hmm. which to me is one of those fascinating stories in the Bible. But in those circumstances, every one of those stories that the gospel writers share with us, there is a conversation that is had with somebody, and Jesus makes evident to all the people around him what's really going on. Mm -hmm. He tells them, this is what I see. Now, could Jesus probably read minds? Yeah, I think in a lot of situations it was pretty clear that he was seeing things that other ordinary people could not see. Well, Scripture tells us he could see the intent of their hearts oftentimes. But he still has a conversation all these times for our benefit. I think he's modeling that. You don't have special marvel powers here to go read someone's mind, but we do have the opportunity to use the magical tools that we have at our disposal, like <laughs> opening our mouth and asking a question right. and opening our ears to listen for an answer. Those things we do have in our toolkit. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I think, is showing us by all of his example to us. Use them. And I'm not saying that every single person that's hearing this program today should go looking for a homeless person today and try to have a conversation and fix a problem. Because what I don't hear in the story that we're reading today is that this woman intended to fix a problem. Right. It was an invitation to step into her world, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit different. She understood that he was lonely. That he had had a whole lot of emptiness in his life and a lot of loss. She sensed that it was right to trust his words and not disbelieve him or distrust him. Mm -hmm. So she invited him to her home. That, to me, goes to the issue of spiritual hospitality as well. Mm -hmm. But it's also an opportunity to establish and reestablish dignity. He gets to come be part of her life for a little while and express his gratitude towards her in a practical way. She asks for help with the animals. He goes out and helps her. Yeah. I imagine the conversation continued through this time, too. It's not like she just sent him out there as a lackey. She's interested in him mm-hmm. because I think God made it possible for her to really show intent. Right. Like God does for us, she wanted to know what this guy was all about. Yeah. 
I think one of the things that stands out to me in this story as well is we have a stigma attached to people who experience homelessness. Mm -hmm. She didn't fall prey to that. She went the extra mile to get to know his story, to listen, to see him. All of these things that we know God does for us. He sees us. He hears us. He invites us. And she took the time to do that. The thing that you talked about, Jesus healing people as he walked through life, one of the things about a lot of the stories that we read is that these people that Jesus was healing oftentimes were considered unclean. Mm And yet he still reached out and touched many of them. I mean, physically touched them, which was completely against all of the Jewish laws. We see this man of God touching people who are considered unclean. If I can draw this parallel, oftentimes we see people that experience homelessness as being unclean or unworthy of our touch. And she looked past that. She didn't see a man that was unclean or unworthy. She saw a man. Mm Mm-hmm and wanted to know his story, reached out with her words and touched him. I imagine she's touched him physically. In fact, there's a picture of her giving him a hug and welcomed him into her home. And she says, he's great with my kids. Mm. He's great conversationally. He works hard, an enjoyment to be around, all because she took the time to see past this unclean facade. The journalist goes through and documents some of the things that happen as a result of that relationship flourishing. And you see pictures of him going to the barber and getting cleaned up and that kind of stuff, which is dangerous in some ways because we end up making this judgment just in reading the article that, well, the end result of all this was they cleaned him up. He was now acceptable. He was no longer Mm -hmm. untouchable. That is not the point of the story for me at all. No. The point of the story is that there was relationship that something happened that this man met a friend, not just a help. And he wasn't seen as such things to this woman. She opened her heart to God. Mm-hmm. And he provided this man. Yeah. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at one 800 That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. They cleaned him up. He was now acceptable. He was no longer Mm -hmm. untouchable. That is not the point of the story for me at all. No. The point of the story is that there was relationship. That something happened that this man met a friend not just a help. 
and he wasn't seen as such things to this woman. She opened her heart to God, mm-hmm. and he provided this man. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing that if we open our hearts to God, he provides the things that sometimes are really hard. Yeah. Honey, we've kind of laid out the story a little bit. And of course, the links to this story are always in our podcast page of our website for each one of these Compassion Radio 360 programs. We invite you to go follow those links and read it for yourself. Mm -hmm. See what this relationship was like and why it was so remarkable to the journalists that found them. But there's also the pivot we always make in this program to the theme. Mm-hmm. It pulled on your heartstrings a bit, not just because it was a feel-good story. What was it that resonated with you and what scriptures jumped out for you because of that? I think because I'm so profoundly moved by the plight of people that are experiencing homelessness. It really moves me and grieves me. Somehow our culture, and I don't mean just the United States culture, it is a worldwide issue, but somehow we've allowed this to happen. We've allowed people to fall into such despair and destitution that they can't afford a place to live, a roof over their heads. Let's camp on that thought for a second. The idea of destitution as being unjust or unfair or we've allowed this to happen, it is not, in my mind, just a socioeconomic or mental health issue here. Although it seems to be cast that way in politics all the time. We can solve this problem by dot, dot, dot. Or it's not our responsibility to solve this problem. We can't solve this problem. The best we can do is drive it out, setting up all kinds of laws and rules to keep people from camping in cities. Yeah, there are a whole bunch of things that could be done socioeconomically and politically to provide more resources and more supports for those who have, for whatever reason, ended up on the streets. So if we as a nation have allowed this to happen, it would indicate that we as a nation should fix it because it's our fault this is happening. And then a lot of people say, well, it's not my fault. I'm not Mm. the one that drove them to the streets. Jesus, I don't think, ever approached these questions of saying the government should fix this or Mm. the church is responsible for this. He doesn't accuse people and gang up on them or ask his people to gang up on them to demand justice. Right. He does talk about there should be justice from my word from the source, which is me. Me, my father. We are the providers. Have you asked me to help provide you know, and he has a lot of issues with the religious people of the day for not asking him for how they can help, mm-hmm. how they can be him. And it's more than just following Jesus' example because he wants us to. I think he's wanting us to tap into what the real wealth and strength and riches are. Mm-hmm. Every time God says, you don't have because you don't ask, it's not about filling up your pantry full of food. It's about you don't have what you need to help others to give and to live generously because you don't ask me to help you be generous. Mm-hmm. You don't ask me for what I can give you so you can live generously. You don't ask, and we don't ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. But we should be. Well, he wants to bring us to a place of peace within ourselves mm-hmm. and also into a place of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Proverbs 19 tells us that, And when we're gracious to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord. Mm. We're like giving to the Lord. Not that God needs anything from us, but that's a way that we can bless the Lord, that we can honor the Lord. And it goes on to say, and the Lord will fully repay you. So our generosity, it's not like we lose anything by being generous. We gain so much more. And I don't know that he means monetarily. I suppose if that's the coin of the realm you're dealing with, then maybe. But it's deeper than that. It's more. Right. I would say the things that we get generous about, if God says, I want you to lavish my attention on them, and you do, if God's promising us, he'll repay us above and beyond what we can imagine Mm -hmm. for having given and lended to him, then the intentionality we invest in others, the time we spend with them, the kindness we show, the interest we show, in who they are and what they do and where they've been. Mm -hmm. 
God will pay that back to us. That's a promise. Yeah. So if we want to invest in a bank, let's invest in somewhere where it's secure. And right now in America, of course, everyone's freaked out because the banks are acting squirrely again. And some bad banking practices have brought down a number of banks. Again, people are worried about their deposits. What happens if the rest of the banking system freaks out? Will my money be safe? Well, when it comes to spiritual things and eternal things, which includes money and relationships and peace and joy and all the other fruit of the Spirit, God has said time and time and time again throughout the Word that your deposits with me are secure. Mm -hmm. They are backed by the biggest bank there ever will be. Bank on that. We're not going to lose. If we have a real need, God has a way of supplying the need once we have dislodged our pride from that. Do you want to be a friend of God? Ask him to help you be a friend of those he wants to befriend. And if we will ask him first where he wants us to go, who he wants us to meet, who he would love to introduce us to and situations he would love to put us in, if we're willing to say yes to any of that or ask him to make it possible, we'll say, well, thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. Of course, God will give you that opportunity. When we invest into other people, there is a great return. I mean, Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, your treasure is secure, like you said earlier. Backed by the full faith and credit of God himself. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that our treasures on earth are evanescent, are like a vapor, and corruptible. Those things that we have here on earth, they're going to pass away. They're going to decompose. Go up in smoke. Go up in smoke. But the treasures that we store up in heaven are not going to pass away. They're going to remain forever. If that's something that's of interest to you Mm -hmm. and your investment is important, then investing in those things that are eternal are going to produce a greater return not just in heaven, but also here on earth. When Jesus says things like store up your treasure in heaven, it is a metaphor. Now, there might be some literal joy to be experienced in the place called heaven that we go to on the way to whatever God has for us for eternity. But he's not just talking about do these things, suffer through it all, and then finally someday you'll get your reward and you'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm. He's saying, in essence here, you want to be in heaven now? Start by being generous to the things that heaven wants invested in. Invest in the things that build the kingdom, because the kingdom of God is heaven on earth, and together someday we'll have his presence undergirding it all, and he will be heaven itself because we'll be in him and with him. So it is a fundamental and solid reality, yes, because we don't know what the feeling of it is. We don't know what the substance of heaven is like. We haven't touched it. But while we're here on this earth, we can, in fact, touch other people, literally sometimes, and discover how solid it is, the truth of God's presence mm-hmm. being riches itself. Yeah. So if we want to know what the stuff of heaven is made of, why not buy some of that now by investing and being loaned those things by God so we can give them out to others? I'm saying this is a very substantial thing, not just an idea. I was also reminded of scripture in Hebrews that talks about entertaining angels unaware. Yeah. How the writer of Hebrews says, be sure to welcome strangers into your home, into yeah. your life. Because sometimes you're welcoming an angel as a guest. That in and of itself is a reward. And not that we should do things so that we get a return. We get it, you know, something back for it. We get paid for it. That's not something that should always be our motivation. It helps to know no, that. But we don't go into something to do the right thing in order to be miserable. No, <laughs> we know? don't. If our reward ourselves is to beat ourselves up afterwards for doing it, something's wrong with our psyche. Mm-hmm. God's got to fix that. I think the idea of reward coming back for having done the right thing is something that is 
natural. There's nothing wrong with that to say, if I live a certain way, if I act under God's principles, there's going to be good for me in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I may not be rich or own a big mansion, but I'm going to be at peace with myself for crying out loud. I'm going to be able to enjoy life and not be ashamed. I'm not going to have guilt. I'm not going to have hidden sins that I'm in danger of other people flushing out someday. I can live with a clear conscience. If that's not reward in itself, I don't know what is. Mm. But then above that, confessing Jesus as Lord, saying, you own this. It's your investment anyway. What do you want to do with your investment? And we start living like that. Pretty soon, we're not so much worried about being our own money managers in that figurative sense, because he's already got the plan for his investment and how it's going to grow. We don't need to worry about a return on the investment if we're banking at Jesus' bank. Right, right. And drawing loans on the things that he wants to loan out because he wants it to increase in the world around us. Yeah. I want to live in heaven on earth now. That doesn't mean that things are going to get easy. In fact, it'll mean it gets a lot more difficult in some ways because God's going to challenge us to go difficult places to be transformational, not to fix people and problems, but to be with him and be present with him while he works transformation. which to me is a whole lot different than just fixing a problem. When we are part of the transforming power of God in someone else's life, it changes us too. Oh, yes. It transforms us into his likeness even more so. And I love what Danielle says about this whole encounter, all of the things that she's done and how she's helped him. So, oh, aren't you so proud that you've helped him? You've done so much for him. And she says, honestly, he has no idea what this has meant to me, how much he's done for me. And she talks about their friendship and the camaraderie that they've experienced just working together, just cleaning a barn or feeding the animals, and how it's been so good for her and her family to have Brian in their life because we're learning things that we didn't know we needed to learn. We're experiencing life from someone else's perspective, and so we're not so tunnel-visioned anymore. Yeah, about how we can fix things, and we're the one in control, we're that out of power, which goes to the last point we need to consider right now. What if you have a need that God's going to meet through somebody else? You need to realize what your deficit and what your need is. And God sends someone in a special way to minister to that because he wants to be the one to minister to you. Hmm. What if that would happen? What would have to break down in your pride to be able to accept God's graciousness and generosity to you? It's a fair question. We've met plenty of homeless people that don't want to be pitied. They may appreciate a decent meal. They're not going to take your pity because they know what it means. They know that they're being looked down on. Mm -hmm. They're not going to stick around to be judged or to be coerced to going to church with you or something. They can read on the average person's face what their intentions are. And they've been around the block a few times. Mm -hmm. They know what's coming. But when you already start with the perspective of God, this is your appointment, not mine. What do you want to do? And the person that you're ministering to knows that you're genuine and you're honest. Something special can happen. There could be a moment where you really see God at work. In fact, you might actually see the eyes of Jesus in that person. So whichever side of the equation, the transaction you're on, be the kind of person that God has called you to be. If you have a need that God's going to meet, be gracious in your generosity of thanks. Mm -hmm. Give back what you can give. If that person deserves some praise for being helpful to you, praise them. Mm -hmm. If God gives you opportunity to repay that debt for him, then pay it back for him. Be his agent of the bank to go pay off that loan. Whatever it is, receive well and give generously. 
whatever part you play in this profound relationship that God has intended for mankind, play it. Mm-hmm. Play that part and don't shy away from it. Don't withdraw because God's friendship with you is on the line here. Mm-hmm. So that's our challenge. What is it that God's calling you to do today to either be the one that goes for him or receives because of him? Let him show you the way today. That's a humble way to live. And like we've talked about so many other times on Compassion Radio, it is a grateful way to live Mm -hmm. and a compassionate way to live. Learn more about the story of this man named Brian Bannister and the woman who loved him as Christ would love him, Danielle McDuff. On our website, CompassionRadio.com, that link will be on the podcast page for this broadcast. We'd love to have you read that for yourself and then give us a few comments back about what you learn from finding out how God used this situation to transform two lives. Thanks for joining us today on Compassion Radio 360. It's always going to be Some days the cupboard's empty The path is hard to see Through worries and through doubt Always going to be Some nights when it's hard sleeping Back down upon our knees With dreams that don't work out But there's always going to be A light that keeps on Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.